thank you so much for giving me this opportunity today. My hope is that at the end of this podcast, whomever you are and wherever you are as you listen to us talk today, I hope I inspire at least one person to focus on your dreams, to hyper-focus on them, ignoring any negative chatter around you until you achieve whatever it is that you're destined to be in life, until you achieve your life goals. I'm a pediatrician. For as long as I can remember myself, I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up. Mm -hmm. As I became a teenager, uh, because of things that we'll talk about during the podcast, I decided that I wanted to be a doctor who specifically took care of kids who were hurt by other people mm-hmm. and to protect them. Today, I'm really proud to tell you that I'm a board-certified general pediatrician and I'm a board-certified child abuse pediatrician. And I am so excited to spend this time with you. I am a doctor i'm a mom of four amazing kids i'm a wife i love to teach i teach um child abuse and general pediatrics to pediatric residents and i am the vice president of the delaware county medical society in our area Mm. thank you for having me today well we are so glad that you are here Uh, And as I said, for many, many reasons. Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy! Children, humanity's future vulnerable. Humanity's hope, impressionable. What an awesome responsibility in the hands of humankind. Our guest is the indefatigable Dr. June Messam. Now, there are many reasons, personal and professional, I am gushing with delight that Dr. Messam is on the journey with us. But I'll restrain myself to only three appropriate to the times we're in. We're often well advised, particularly in realms rife with cruelty, to say something when we see something. And better advised when we see something to do something. Dr. June Messam is exemplary of a stage lifted much higher. How to do something that betters the present, advancing ever more promising futures. How to do something that betters our present, advancing ever more promising futures. Yes, that is one of three reasons. I am very happy that Dr. June Messam has accepted our invitation to come and inform and inspire us today. Before I share the other two reasons, let me invite Dr. Messam, who I have warmly welcomed, to tell us about her chosen field 
and the field she inspired into being. Uh, Dr. June Bessem, what does it mean to be a child abuse pediatrician? So, over the years that we found out, as children who are abused or hurt, mm -hmm. whether they're sexually abused or physically abused or neglected, or they're killed by someone who ought to be loving them, it actually takes a special expertise to take care of them. It's so unique and it's so time consuming. And there's no other part of medicine where you have to spend so much of your time in court. Mm. You have to work with the police. You have to review medical records. It is so different from anything else. And the other thing that is very unique about it is, which is why we have to be specially trained, is that as a result of our work, someone may go to prison. Mm. That makes it very stressful what we have to do. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes as a result of our work, a child might be removed from their parents' home. And so we have to be so careful about the decisions that we make. So we end up having to have extra training. So a child abuse pediatrician is specially trained to recognize the signs and symptoms of a child abuse so that we can quickly act and protect that child. Mm. Well, when we're back, I'm going to ask you to tell us what really is child abuse from uh, a doctor's perspective and from the community's perspective? We'll be right back. Got it. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I am back with Dr. Messam on a matter of grave importance to all of us. Uh, Dr. Messam, what truly is child abuse? Can you describe that to us? So, I got, I got so, that's a loaded question. It's a hugely broad topic. Mm -hmm. But child abuse encompasses emotional abuse, neglection, neglected children, physically abused children, sexually abused, and sometimes fatalities. And sometimes there is abuse that at one child can experience all of these different categories. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you some statistics. In the United States each year, we have approximately 700,000 children who are abused. Mm -hmm. That's an underestimate. That's a, just a number that we think, we, but we know that it's, it's significantly higher. Mm. The neglected children, meaning they don't have food or they're not provided with um, their medicines or they don't have clothing or they're homeless or they're not allowed to go to school, they make up about 61% of those kids, somewhere between 60 and 70%. Physically abused kids make up about 10% of those kids across the years. Sexually abused kids are about 7%. Um, fatalities are about 1,700 per year. Mm. And, and of course, they're the sex traffic kids mm. who are interstate and, and, and sold 
for true sex trade. And, you know, the thing that is devastating to me as a mom every year is that parents are involved in these cases, the biologic parents of these children, anywhere between 50 and 80% of the time. Mm. And so typically when these kids present the challenges, if they are not verbal children or if they're intimidated, the parent who's bringing them, they're telling the story. The child is not allowed to speak, but they're the ones that are doing the harm. Mm. You the mean, child you mean the, 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 the ones who, who's the, you mean the parents are doing the harm or the children? Yes, they are. Oh. Mm. The, the parents are doing the harm to the children. So mm. they can present with fractures. They can present covered with bruises. Mm -hmm. They can present in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to be graphic on the show, but, you know, the, so I won't. Mm. Uh, but, Physical abuse is physical abuse. A child is hurt. And I'm not talking about a spanking because by law, at least in the state of Pennsylvania, you're allowed to spank your child. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to break their extremities. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to break 15 bones in their body. Mm -hmm. You're not about to crack their skull. Mm -hmm. Those things are not allowed by law. Mm -hmm. you, cannot have a, you cannot cause impairment of the child. Mm -hmm. Right? So we have to act in those cases. And so it, it is a huge problem. It's pervasive. It doesn't matter if they are rich or if they're poor. It doesn't matter where their socioeconomic status is. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you that if you are a Caucasian family and if a mom and dad presents united, that child who presents with them, that's a case of missed child abuse is more likely to occur in a family mm -hmm. that is made up in that way. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I knew that you were trying to be judicious when you said you don't want to be graphic, and I, yeah. I, I respect that, but I want you to feel free to tell us what you need to tell us. I don't want you to be felt withheld in any way. I just want you to know yeah. this is a program that you, you can be free to tell us what the truth is wherever it falls. All right. Yeah. What the truth is that we read about it in the newspaper. Mm. We hear about these graphic kids cases all the time. And so I think that perhaps at least our listeners in the United States mm. will know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. And having gone to many international child abuse conferences, um, many other countries will also know. Okay. What took you into this field? So when one of the ways we know each other, Neville, right. is that I am from Georgetown, Guyana. Right. And I am one of eight siblings. I'm number six mm -hmm. um, in my family. I went to St. Stanislaus College. And yes. by the time I went to, went to high school in Guyana, it was during the Burnham regime. regime. Mm -hmm. and, and he, things had become a little violent. Mm -hmm. And he, his... Um, soldiers constantly tear gassed us in school mm. and beat our teachers, sometimes beat our students, and actually ended up killing Fada Dark, one of our teachers. Mm. Witnessing this all the time. At the time, I didn't know what I was feeling, but what I was feeling, those stresses, was post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. 
And so there are a whole number of us who witnessed this, who have PTSD from what we witnessed. Mm. And I just remember being enraged and just knowing that I was going to do something about it. At the time I was in Guyana, my goal was to you know, fight the cause in Guyana. Mm-hmm. I had no plans on leaving Guyana and actually was enraged by my parents when they left Guyana to come here. Mm. And of course, at as an adult, I so respect the decision that they made because it had to be so terrifying for them to give up everything that they knew so that we could have a future. Mm-hmm. And I probably would not be doing any of the things that I'm able to do today if it wasn't for the decision that they made. Mm-hmm. So I decided as a teenager, because of what I witnessed, because of what I saw, because of what I experienced, that I wanted to protect cho- other children from having to go through that. Well, is it... So, go, go ahead. Yes. I was 16 when we left Guyana. Mm-hmm. And I came here uh, to Swarthmore in Delaware County. I still am in Delaware County right now. Um, and our uncle, my dad's brother, was a physician in Swath. He was a physician, not in Swarthmore, but he lived in Swarthmore. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that I ex- ever experienced um, anyone treating me just by looking at me because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. They thought that I was not intelligent. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that that happened. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big blow. And so I just tucked my head in mm-hmm. and I just decided I was going to study hard and I was going to go back to Guyana mm-hmm. and protect kids. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I studied. I went, I did two years at Swarthmore High School. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed all local. I went to Haverford College, which is an amazing college right here in, in Delaware County. And then I worked for a little bit before I went to medical school. But again, a wonderful medical school, the Medical College of Pennsylvania, which is now Drexel School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. And before I did my residency. Um, and then Every step of the way, I told everyone what I was going to do. I'm going to be a pediatrician, and I'm going to take care of kids who are hurt. And everyone (laughs) basically said, you know, they're there. That's very nice, because the field of child abuse pediatrics did not exist. Ah. And so I said, no, 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 no. This needs to be done. This is important for the world. We're going to do it. So when I started my pediatric residency, which I did my first year at Crozier, and and the the second year was divided up between Crozier and the Children's Hospital, Mm -hmm. um, they knew that I had experience starting and running organizations, and they knew, because I told them when I went there, that I was going to be a doctor who took care of kids who were hurt. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, can you start a program here? Ah. And I said, I can. So as a first year resident, three months into the residency, they asked me to work on it. So it was a three year residency program. And at the end of it, they hired me to run that child abuse program. Awesome. Awesome. So that was my first job. Mm-hmm. Now, now you have your own practice, though, don't you? I do. I do. I do, because 
the field of child abuse pediatrics was not a boarded subspecialty. And so there, it was not, we didn't have the funding to keep that child abuse site that I started at the hospital open. Mm -hmm. So after three years, the hospital said that they weren't going to allow me to continue doing it. Mm. They weren't going to let me take care of child abuse victims at Crozier. And I decided that if they weren't going to let me do that, I couldn't be there because that was my life goal. Mm -hmm. So my husband said, you have experience starting and running organizations. You should start your practice. I'm like, how do I do that? You can figure it out. So <laughs> like eight, months, yeah, eight months later, we started Media Pediatrics. Hmm. And I, the county that I live in, Delaware County, had was paying the hospital for my child abuse work. And when I left the hospital, they brought the contract with me. Hmm. That's good. That's... And so, yes. And so I continued to do child abuse pediatrics outpatient. It was many years later that child abuse became a subordinate subspecialty. And when that happened, they allowed some of us who were, who had been practicing in the community for many years, we had to prove that we had been doing, we had seen enough patients for five years. It was very easy for me to prove that because I had been running an organization that took care of these kids. I'd been working with the police, with our district attorney's office. And so they allowed me to sit for the exam. And so I became a board certified child abuse pediatrician many years after telling everyone I'm going to take care of kids who've been hurt. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll be right back. Listening to the good doctor, Dr. June Messon, an ancient proverb comes to mind. A bird does not sing because it has an answer. It sings because it has a song. I am back with Dr. June Messam. Doc, as a pediatrician, uh, can you explain the difference between taking care of general pediatric patients and taking care of child abuse patients? That's a great question because in my, in my practice, I do both. Mm -hmm. and, and most child abuse pediatricians don't. Mm -hmm. they, do want, they, they just do child abuse. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's critically important to know general pediatrics, like regular general pediatrics, and to know what you see so that you can recognize when something is totally different, mm -hmm. when something is out of the ordinary. This is not something that usually walks in the door. Mm. But what is different is that the team approach. I, you cannot do child abuse in a bubble. I know that the, the pediatric residents, they, they're sick of me saying that. Mm -hmm. But you cannot do it alone. You have to work with children and youth case workers. You have to work with the police. You have to work with the district attorney's office. You have to have, if you have someone who's a child who's been bitten all over, mm -hmm. first of all, you have to figure out if it's a human bite, 
you need a forensic odontologist. You may need a forensic odontologist so that they can preserve that mm. after you take photographs so they can match it to someone's mouth once they find an alleged perpetrator. You need to put together a whole team of people. If a child has ingested dr drugs or has been given drugs, sometimes parents want an infant to, to rest because they're tired or they're using drugs. And so they just give them, feed them alcohol in a bottle. Mm. And to, so that they will sleep, the child is now drunk. Mm. But then they're vomiting, right? So we have to then work with a toxicologist and say, can you help us figure out what was the timeline? When did this child ingest this drug or ingest the alcohol? So that we can see who was in the house at that time. And so we're like the go-between the police and everyone else. And sometimes my residents say, when they see the work that I do, they're like, you're a medical detective. You figure everything out piece by piece and sometimes it's hard and you can't mm -hmm. and and those are cases that keep me up at night but thankfully most of the cases you can have a good handle on it so i in child abuse there nothing can be rushed mm -hmm. and that and you have to be prepared for anything versus outpatient pediatrics they come in and they have an ear infection you're, you can be done in five minutes there's no such thing in child abuse pediatrics. No matter what you could think, they're coming in for something totally mundane. And then two hours later, you're reeling because this child was raped, this child was physically abused, and it, this child has a sexually transmitted infection, and this child is three years old. And it is hard sometimes to recover from that mm -hmm. and then to walk into a room and say to someone, so how are you sleeping at night and what did you have to eat? And I try to block my times after I have my child abuse patient scheduled. I don't want to see regular pediatrics that rest of the day mm -hmm. because I'm just exhausted mm -hmm. emotionally. This would beg a question, of course. I can see that the courage that you have based upon the history that you've shared with us that keeps you doing this work. But uh, two things come to mind. One, not only that it's so stressful, but you have an avenue that is that should be very, I anticipate, would be just as, as fulfilling, um, uh, and that's general pediatrics. So why do you still do this? Why do I? Oh my goodness. Oh, when I'm able to help a child. Mm -hmm. It just makes so much sense of my life. Mm -hmm. it, it just makes so much sense. Why did we experience the things that we did? I love helping the children. I love protecting the children. Mm -hmm. I, I, I absolutely do. And I, I can't imagine doing anything else. And when um, there are some political things that happened in our county and they stopped bringing the kids to me and I absolutely didn't want to practice anymore. Mm. And what I ended up doing was taking care of the kids free of charge. Mm -hmm. Just so that I could continue to keep my skills up mm -hmm. and which no one expected me to do, but I continued to fight for them. Okay. Well, when we're back, there are two questions that are on my mind that I'd like to just 
place to befriend you before we take a break. And one, what, um, uh, I mean, I know this is a broad question that uh, I don't know how you're going to hone in to it, but what can people be doing to be better at children, to, to, to save these problems from happening? And I know that's a very, very broad question, but I don't know if you, you know, you might have some, um, some things you could help us with. Um, Do you know, in every community, there are resources. In every community. Mm. And the thing is, sometimes people don't like to reach out for those resources. But we have WIC. So if your child does not have, if you don't have enough money, you can go to the women, infants, children. They will help you to provide formula for your children. So you don't have to... Um, give water, feed your child just straight water because children cannot thrive on water alone, mm. right? You have medical assistance. And let me tell you, medical assistance provides so much for children. They mm. provide free prescriptions, free medical care. It is so incredible. But basically, you need to get, re utilize resources in when you see someone doing something that hurts a child, don't be quiet. In these days, we have, you, you don't have to, you can intervene if you can, if it's safe for you. It's not always safe. But you call 911, you make a report, you get online, you make a report to Childline, which is the national um, reporting system. You report it, someone will show up and put help to protect that child. You know, people think that in, in every different state, there in, in our area, it's called Children and Youth Services. It's called children, what? What is it children called? And youth, children and Youth Services, uh -huh. the Child Welfare System. Mm -hmm. It's called something different in every state in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, but when they come out, if they see that there's child abuse, well, they have to intervene. But if they come out and they they see that this, this is not a child abuse situation, they're not trying to remove children from homes. That's not their goal. Their goal is to provide services within the home. And they provide cribs. They provide food, they, food vouchers. They provide so much for these kids to keep them safe within the home. They provide parental care because part of the problem is when a child grows up and they're being abused, mm -hmm. that is what they're learning. Mm -hmm. That is what they think is appropriate parenting. So when their teenagers or young adults and they start having a family, mm -hmm. guess what they're, going to, they're doing? They start doing the same thing because they don't recognize it as inappropriate. And that's why we have such a cycle of abuse and they get really hurt sometimes when I say this is abusive behavior and they're, no, 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 my mom did a whole lot worse. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But your mom was abusive also. If you don't give it a name, mm. you don't call it what it is. Right. Right. When they never realize that it's inappropriate, they never realize that it's not okay. And so reach out to them. Right now, our biggest resource, mm -hmm. our biggest report is, is schools. 
all year after year of it's the schools that report. And right now with COVID, with the kids not being in school, mm-hmm. I am bracing myself for what's going to happen when kids go back to school and tell us what is happening in their home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what do you do on the opposite side of that? You keep hearing uh, people who are fearful of uh, their children being taken away from them uh, yes. for suspicion of abuse when uh, they don't think it's abuse. You th- do you think people are abusing kids not aware of it uh, alone? Is that all the, uh, the only problem? Or could it also be problems with the system? I don't know. I'm not trying to push mm-hmm. anything. I'm just asking yeah. the question. Yeah. So I, you know, I can't speak for everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I'm speaking for Delaware County. Mm-hmm. And parents who are being abusive, even when they're being abusive, they don't want their child removed. They think it's their child and it's their right to do whatever they want to do to that child. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that there are laws. Mm-hmm. And if every now and again, I see a case where I think the county may have acted a little swiftly, but let me make sure that you understand, they acted that way on the advice of a doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so many times they bring those kids to me as a second opinion, and then I give them an opinion, and then that child is returned right away. You're good, gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. But most of the time, the children are left in the home, and it, it enrages me because we can't protect them. Or we were, we, we, I recommend that the child be removed. They get to court, and the judges are not um, up to, to par. They, they don't understand the problem of child abuse, and they send them right back into that abusive situation. Mm-hmm. So it's not just our child welfare. It's, it's a group problem. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem. Mm. So I understand that everyone thinks that, and again, I don't know. I can I cannot speak for any other area, mm-hmm. but children and youth services in Delaware County do not walk in and remove children mm-hmm. unnecessarily. They absolutely do not. Awesome. We'll be right back. I'm particularly moved by something remarkable that Dr. Messam said in relation to her pursuit. She said. It makes so much sense of my life. That brings me to the second reason I want to highlight for which I am glad Dr. Messam is on the journey with us, and that is this. How does one deal with the inevitable personal challenges, difficulties of pressing through with one's calling, one's dream, one's pursuit? I'm back with Dr. June Messam. Doctor, how do you deal with the emotional stresses of all of this? So, in several different ways. Mm -hmm. So, many years ago, for about 15 years, when we worked together well in my county, Mm -hmm. just having the camaraderie of having a group and we were doing it together in in a supportive way, I, I was fine. I was not feeling the stress of it. When things change in the county and then I didn't have any support and it was kind of just me doing it, mm-hmm. uh, then 
then I had to find a different outlet. And so my husband had noticed that when um, we would go away sometimes, if I had a difficult case in court, mm -hmm. um, he noticed that if I, I love nature, Mm -hmm. And I'm a big gardener like my mom. Mm -hmm. And so he would notice when I'm taking photographs of birds or butterflies, I'm lost. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about anything. So he would take me somewhere yeah. to, so that I can be escape with nature. So um, the last five years, a couple of things happened coinciding with the things changing within the county and how they were treating um my work and me, um, I had, I was diagnosed with breast cancer oh. and had a mastectomy. And so instead of doing rehab, I had all these kids to take care of. And I had a practice. I had, I have a business. I had all this work. And so as I recovered, what I did was I planted a butterfly garden in my yard. Oh. <laughs> so I have a huge butterfly garden, so I raise butterflies. <laughs> so I, have, so I take photographs of nature. I still go to we go to wildlife refuges all over, mm -hmm. and to get away for like a weekend trip. But during the week, in the warm months, I you will find me in my garden taking photographs. Lovely. Love or saving butterflies, pulling their eggs off so the wasps can't get them and protecting them until they become butterflies. Love and it. so that for me is just peaceful. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. Awesome. Well, when we're back, I know that you have a nonprofit and I'd like to hear everything about that. Is that okay? Absolutely. We'll be right back. I find it to be so important for the vulnerable to be aware that some people care. They care enough to devote their lives to positive change. And that brings me to the third reason I've invited Dr. Messam onto the journey. I am back with Dr. Messam. So what are your plans for the future? Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. So um, I'm always planning something, I, you know, always. And so I have, I felt always, I've come from a very giving, loving family. And, you know, we are only where we are because of, we've received so much help and so much love from so many different people. So we've always been givers every single one of my family members. And so I have, my family has, my immediate family, my husband, my children were big givers. And so my, many of my patients in my practice saw me giving to kids. And so they joined me. So for about the last 15 years, we've gotten bigger and bigger giving um, Thanksgiving baskets at Thanksgiving time, making sure that poor kids get um, Christmas presents at mm. Christmas time. And for child abuse children who come through my practice without them knowing who is giving to them, uh, we make sure that they get wonderful presents. Like we spoil them at Christmas times and at other times if they need it. And so we decided to incorporate 
and become a nonprofit. Awesome. So every cow counts incorporated mm. was was incorporated two years ago. Mm-hmm. And we have four different programs. And one of the programs um, it was for kids like me. Um, immigrant kids who came from another country and graduated from high school and going to college. Right now, we have not gotten approval yet to give a financial stipend to kids. Mm -hmm. But what we do right now is we provide all the supplies that they need to get to college. I found that 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 is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember going to college and not being able to afford any of those things. And I just don't want that to happen. So we give the kids in need, whatever kind of need. It could be a medical need. It could be a financial need. Uh, it can be that they're first-generation college students. We give to them. And so that's one of our programs. It's called Bright Futures for Kids. Um, and we have a child abuse program, Thriving After Adversity, Mm-hmm. And that program is still in development. A, a lot depends on what happens within my county. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that I find is that in order for kids to heal, even adults to heal from abusive events, from traumatic events, they need some kind of counseling, some kind of healing. Mm-hmm. And so many people never get that and they never get it because they don't want to talk about it they don't want to tell so many of the kids after they come in and talk to me when we schedule a forensic interview they go i don't want to tell you talk to dr messam i already told her mm-hmm. or vice versa they go there and they tell them and when they come to me they don't want to tell me what happened just take care of me medically without knowing anything about me which is a very difficult task. <laughs> i would imagine you know Yes, a very difficult task. So um, what I propose that we're doing is that you can heal with motion. You heal by dancing. Yeah, okay, that's cool. You can heal with yoga. <laughs> yes. You can, you, some kids will come in and they will dance their pants off. <laughs> I love it. And, 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 and so I want to create a safe place for kids. Mm -hmm. to come and to get whatever kind of therapy they need to heal Mm -hmm. from being hurt. Whether it's talk therapy, whether it's movement therapy, whether it's yoga for healing. And on the same site, using my gardening skills, I want to have a healing garden. Awesome. (laughs) This is lovely. so I am working on it. Um, every child counts as in its infancy. Mm-hmm. And as m- my husband says to me all the time, June, we have to stand before we walk, <laughs> before we run. Be patient. And I'm, he, he's talking to a cancer survivor. And for me, it's like, you don't understand. I need to be moving. I need to I get it. this going. Yes. So we are incorporated. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm super excited. And so we always give... We continue to give. Um, we work with a homeless shelter mm-hmm. in Chester. With, with have, they have children, and I think that that is such a need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we provide all the welcome packets through Every Child Counts, or ECC as we call it. Mm-hmm. We provide all the welcome packets when they arrive. Their sheets, all the cleaning things, pots, pans, whatever they need at the shelter for that family, we provide it. And then we do all the same um, presents and foods around Thanksgiving and Christmas time that we've done all the years we've done it. 
So that is our newest project. And I am praying that in the future that we expand and so that this dream will be realized in the next five to ten years. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if, so if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? And what will they be getting in touch with you for? So um, they, so the, our website for Every Child Comes is eccinc.org. eccinc.org? That's correct. Mm-hmm. And they can connect to us through that website. You can connect to our Facebook through that website. And um, there are numerous ways that they can help, especially if they're close to us. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can always donate to us. We would love that because mm-hmm. we need to get started. Yeah. But um, if they're closer to us and in Delaware County, as time goes on, if you have expertise in a certain area, oh my goodness, we can use your help. Awesome. awesome. Expanding these programs. Good, good, good. Dr. It's such a pleasure having you on this show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're glad, and I hope that you will be willing to come back to tell us a lot more about your plans and how they're going. Anytime. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. Isn't that awesome? There are people who do care, such as Dr. June Messon. So tough. So genuine and so darling at the same time. What an awesome responsibility in the hand of humankind. See you next week.